All right, so Joe, I came up with a little song about Atlanta United, how we're doing right now. It goes something like this. Can't score a goal. 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 What do you think? I like it, but maybe we could tweak it a little. Okay. I'm gonna- maybe do something like this. Can't score a goal. Can't score a goal. Frank DeBoer is mad. Adam John is bad. Can't score a goal. All right. What you got for us, Miles? I'm Miles Robinson. Hello to all my ATLians. Brought to you by Creative Lothian. Well, 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 Mr. ATL Joe, how are you doing, sir? Not good. How, how should I be doing? Our team is crap. I don't know. This is a bad product. Yeah. I am very, very frustrated. I, th- I thought for sure we would be able to pull it together and we got it, everything behind us and we would come in and win. We would be able to, you know, just move on to the round of 16 and just kind of figure things out. But maybe, maybe this is a good thing, Blake. And in, in the whole light of things, maybe we finally realize how crap we really are and that changes need to be made. Yeah. This was supposed to be the episode where you told me I told you so. I don't know if you remember that. This was supposed to be that episode where you were going to tell me that I told you so and Atlanta United moved on and I was just being negative and and yeah. No, absolutely. I, I for sure thought I was going to be in here flying high, but man, have my feelings changed in a week. This is not good, Blake. I, I am uh, right on that Frank DeBoer out fence. <laughs> I, I am feeling the frustration that I'm sure – every one of our fans is feeling right now that there is, there is something wrong. I mean, the place, the entire city is on fire. It's on fire, right? Blake? No, no, everything's fine. I I think we need to get to breaking news here, Joe. Everyone, everyone wants to know what is going on between Frank DeBoer and Mo Adams. Is there a relationship beyond the pitch? Is there something going on? In the hotel room. We we have to have answers. Why does Mo Adams start every game? And and I'm not I'm not one to start rumors. I've never been a rumor guy, never been a guy that loves to spread gossip. I, I have pretty inside knowledge that Frank DeBoer was seen right around 1 a.m. sneaking into Mo Adams' hotel room at the quarantine in Orlando. And I, I'm not I'm not I'm not starting that rumor. I'm just saying it 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 makes a lot of sense. That's that's very juicy there, Blake. <laughs> but seriously, what is with Mo Adams? Why is he why is he starting? He's been hot garbage since he's been playing as part of our starting 11. We got two great center midfielders on the bench. We got the veteran Big Red Larry and we also got the Argentinian Hammer, the Smasher, the Enforcer and Eric Rometty 
what is what is going on? Why is Mo Adams starting? I say there's got to be something else going on. There's got to be. I mean, you, you said it right. I mean, Big Red, yeah, he's 34. He's getting up there in age. Maybe he's 36. I forget. He's getting old. So I understand maybe you need to rest him between games. But Eric Rometty has been a solid starter for Atlanta since he's been here. Yeah, he has some of his ups and downs, but I think he's had more ups than downs. And Mo Adams is a guy that we brought over from New York who's just kind of been a, a reserve player his entire career. Like, he he does get solid minutes here and there, but he's not a, a starter. And, and Frank DeBoer just has this love affair with him. And maybe that's kind of the, the start of the entire team crumbling and just being just a crap product on the field. Joe, we're going to have to put everything on pause. We're going to have to pause the TMZ tabloid. We got some breaking news. Breaking news. That's right. We signed somebody. Atlanta United 2 signed somebody. But we did sign someone. Eric Lopez. The deal is official. The Paraguayan Ford is going to be added to the Atlanta United 2 roster pending his international transfer certificate and P1 visa. Good thing we got some great lawyers to handle that. He's only 18. He's played his entire career in Paraguay's Primera Division. And he's also been a member of the Paraguayan U23 national team. I, for one, welcome another Paraguayan to the club. Too bad Atlanta United won, is, or the Atlanta United didn't sign him. But I think there might be some some sort of loophole to get him on the squad this year. What do you think about this transfer, Joe? Yeah, Blake, there's a lot of speculation on this. And yeah, Atlanta United 2 signed him for $3 million plus dollars. And it, maybe he'll will shift something and be able to get him on our team this year, but it looks like we won't see him on the first team till next year. But right now, Blake, I, I am so pessimistic on the entire scouting program of Atlanta United and, and bringing in another star. Is he going to actually be someone that, that's going to turn into a Miguel Amarone? I'm skeptical of it. He he played in the P- Paraguayan First Division and. And that's nothing compared to, say, Argentina or Brazil's first league. It's not even close to the same comparison. Paraguay is right on the level of kind of the teams we play first round of the CONCACAF Champions League. You know, Paraguay has a great national team, of course, but not their their regular division. And Eric Lopez, if you were to ask me before the MLS's back tournament, I was extremely high on him. But now I have zero faith in the players that we're bringing in off of this offseason after watching three just awful games that that we lost one nothing in this in this tournament of covid cup i don't know blake i, I might not be a good host this episode i i'm just very frustrated with our team it's fine joe we want you for who you are we want you to express your frustration like all the all the fans uh, that are around the globe, especially on Atlanta, not Atlanta United social media. Uh, there's been some harsh words for our front office. Joe, I want to talk about one thing before we break down this last game three against Columbus. And this has been weighing on my mind heavily. Frank DeBoer, when he first came in as a coach, he, he said he said that we were spoiled as a fan base, that we had had great success early on, and that our expectations were too high for the club. I think that this is what separates the top clubs from the the middle ground, from the middle table, from the bottom feeders. Top clubs demand success. Top clubs demand trophies. We got a couple trophies last year, and that kept our fan base enthused about this team. 
We shifted a ton of players, which we'll sing about later. And now we're in a situation where we are at a point where are we going to accept mediocrity and just back the coach and back this this honestly lethargic, lacking effort squad? Or are we going to demand a better product on the field? I think we have the right as fans. I don't think we're spoiled. I think we have the right as fans to go out and get what we deserve. We've supported this team. We've packed the stadium. We have a good front office. It's been a little bumpy, but if if we don't like what we're seeing, we have every right to voice our opinions and demand change. And so going back to a statement from last year, I think it ties even more to now. We're not spoiled. We have to demand a better product. And I think our fan base will, or they're going to start losing season ticket holders. They're going to start dropping to the levels of, dare I say it, other Atlanta sports teams. And that's not where we want to go. Atlanta United is the cream de la creme of Atlanta. We are the champions. We're the only championship that's been brought to the city in a long time. And we should demand success. That's that's what I got to say. I just want to know your take on that, Joe. If, if we're out of our right to be upset and to demand a better product on the field. No, Blake. I wholeheartedly agree with you right there. We came into the city. They, they brought an incredible product to the city and and just set expectations so high, set the bar very high. And they did very well in year one, bringing in Tata Martino at that time was, if not the number one, he was in the top three sought after available coaches in the market, available managers to the team. And he came to Atlanta and he delivered a championship within his first two years. And as we brought in just player after player, and defying the odds and and showing how well we can do with an expansion team that's not supposed to win. I mean, go back and look at how Minnesota United started, how Orlando City still has yet to make the playoffs. And and look at Nashville this year that is very strong. I know two games, then they didn't make the team or make the the tournament, the COVID Cup, but it does not look like a great product. Look at Cincinnati a team that's supposed to be one of the worst in the league. Yeah, they beat us. But Atlanta United was a different product. And we want to be right now what LAFC on the West Coast is is doing. They're surpassing Atlanta United's hype that we brought. And we need to demand a better level, a better product on the field. And I love that you brought up DeBoer's quote from a, a year or two ago when he said that. Because that just shows right there that he is not the manager I want leading our team. I want a manager demanding that we win every single MLS Cup. Yeah, you couldn't have said it better. And I think what we have to do as a fan base, just like any other protest that is against the powers that be, I, I I think we have to demand as a fan base that we get a better product or we make a change. And... The involvement of social media is huge. Darren Eels in the front office, he's he's very active on social media. Carlos Bocanegra, you know that these guys know the vibe of the fan base with or without live games at the bins. They know how we're feeling. They're definitely hearing it on Twitter. They're definitely hearing it on, on the radio. So it's going to be heard. And this team does have a chance to turn it around. I'm not quite on your boat right here. I try not to get too high or too low. I'm not saying DeBoer out right now, but I'm saying if this continues, we have to make a change. We have to demand success. So with that being said, Joe, I think we need to go into 
why we are so pissed off today. And that's a recap of game three of the COVID Cup against the Columbus crew and our old boy, Mr. Nagby. Well, Blake, if we're going to do that, I need a beer. Beer of the week! Every week. And this week, Joe, we got one of our sponsors, Steady Hand Beer Co. If you guys haven't been by Steady Hand, go back next time they open back up. You can stop by, you can pick up beer, you can find them pretty much every beer store or grocery store around Atlanta. And this week we got Georgia Farmhouse Ale. This is a farmhouse. Blake, let me spike this one in for you. And let me spike this one in for all the Atlanta family. We all need a beer, all of us number 17s. We all miss being in the bins where we were able to spike it in. So everyone that's listening, maybe join me for this little ATL chant here. Ready? A. T. Oh, that was for my number 17s. And if ever anyone out there of the age, please drink one with us. You deserve it. Yeah, this is a, it's a traditional Belgian style. I definitely, definitely love this beer because one of the flavors that I'm getting a lot of, and I, I read about it is organic grits. Joe, one of my favorite meals is shrimp and grits. How how are you on grits? Like, how do you feel about grits? I know you're from the South. Grits are pretty polarizing. Uh, Let's just talk about grits here for a second. Are you a grits fan? I'm good with grits if you can add hot sauce and cheese. You know, grits on their own, I'm, I may be meh too. But add hot sauce to it, I love it. Yeah, the hotter the better. And cheese, you add cheese and hot sauce to about anything, and I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, one of my favorite places to get grits in the entire city. It is my favorite place, and you can't put hot sauce and cheese on them. Homegrown, Memorial Drive. Have you ever been there, Joe? Phenomenal, phenomenal breakfast spot. Absolutely. The best chicken biscuits in Atlanta. I mean, they give Chick-fil-A a run for their money. But I haven't tried their grits, so I will have to try that. I'll tell you, one of my favorite shrimp and grits in the city they do a different take on it because they kind of do a grit cake and throw shrimp on it. But Marlowe's Tavern, they do. They have one of the best shrimp and grits that you can get. I love some shrimp and grits. I'm going to keep thinking of those homegrown grits while I drink this Georgia Farmhouse Ale. Thank you, Steady Hand, for this refreshing brew. Joe, what we were about to go into before you demandingly needed a beer was we we're going to talk about Game 3 of the COVID Cup against Columbus. And where do we start? Where, where do we start? This was just another awful viewing display. Yeah, and maybe we can start with we came out with another game with no goals. And we're the only team in the tournament that didn't score a goal. And, that, and honestly, at this point, we've done just as good, if not worse, than, than Chattanooga in Dallas. Or, sorry, Nashville in Dallas. Teams that didn't even play in the tournament. You know, at least for them, they can say that no one scored on them yet. Atlanta conceded goals and could not even score a goal themselves. It, it It's really bad. Yeah. Might as well our whole team had COVID and we just dropped out before the tournament even started. I'd feel better about our season if we were Nashville or Dallas right now. Which brings me back to how we opened this show, Joe. I, I'm not ready to recap this game yet either, honestly. Honestly, my ADD is kicking in. I think we need a. I think we need to roll out a little, a little chant section here to just spice, to just spice things up. Because, because how about this? Like, just, just what do you got? You know, Frank DeBoer is actually lucky that there's no fans in the seats this year. 
Yeah, because I feel like the entire stadium, at least at some point during one of these games, would have been Frank DeBoer out. Frank DeBoer out. Frank DeBoer out. Is that too soon? I think it might be too soon. I I prefer the I prefer the can't score a goal. Can't score a goal. Frank DeBoer is mad. Adam John is bad. Can't score a goal. That would say that that would, that would just sound great ringing around the bins. Personally, yeah, everyone can catch on. Frank DeBoer is always mad. The guy never smiles. He never even stands up now during games. He just sits on the bench, just sitting there, looking sullen, looking mad. And Adam John is is definitely bad. But uh, it's really bad. And and then with all these new players on on the team, Blake, I. I have sat down. I know this is one of our favorite sections that we brought up in the past. We've created some good songs, and I knew we were going to try to do this in this episode. So I sat down and write a little little bit of a tune. To It goes to the sound of music, and, and I wanted to bring this up for you. And it goes a little bit like this. We lost Gressel, Leandro, Nagby, and Tito, Gain, Lennon, and Castro, Adam, John, and Jossetto, Pitti, Martinez, shoot, and he's missing... This doesn't look like my favorite team. When DeBoer is coach, there's no scoring. All the fans are sad. Is this Atlanta 2020? Cause now I just feel so mad. Joe, what did you think about uh what did you think about my musical performance there? Like I love it. I feel like yeah, you're, you're strong. just a natural at it. I I really feel like, you know, once everything gets back to it and then the theater opens back up, you might have another day job by just going and trying out for the next play that's going to be at the Fox Theater. I, I would honestly be all about that. I, uh, I, I've never really been into theater or, or drama, but I, uh, I know you have a little bit of an improv background and I, I would, I would like a little bit of theater action. I feel like, I have some hidden pipes there. And when I'm singing passionately about Atlanta United sucking, it, it does definitely stir up something deep inside me. I can turn it on another level. So I think if I did perform at the Fox, I would I would honestly just have to think about this COVID cup and think about how bad we played and, and I'd, I'd hit another level there. Yeah, it's been really bad. And Blake, now that now that I've had a couple of sips of beer, I think I'm, I'm good enough to at least graze over the subject of what just happened in Columbus. So you ready to get in this recap? Honestly, did we even look like we were going to score a goal the entire tournament? I remember I remember Bello launching one off the crossbar. I remember some free kicks that were kind of close. And then I remember Castro just absolutely fluffing a wide open opportunity. Other Multiple than that, times. I think we played, uh, you know, I, I think we played for, for five or six hours or however long three times 90 is. I'm really struggling with math right now. Uh, we, we, we looked terrible. We did, we did not have any attacking presence, and it, it was definitely hard to watch. Well, Blake, it, you know me by now, and I'm typically an eternal optimist, and, and it's not on fire. There's always a chance. We're always going to be fine. We're going to do good. And then at the start of this episode, I've completely turned 180, and I, I – have lost all faith in this team of this year. And I will, I want to tell you where I saw my switch and it'll, it would be right after Columbus scored the first goal of this game. 
where I thought Atlanta had to come out and be the aggressor and get out there and score a goal. And we started this Columbus game and we had a couple of maybe chances or whatnot. Then Columbus took control of the game and created their chances and then they scored. And then Atlanta turned around and had no response to it. They kept the same tactics and maybe they were just waiting till halftime to make some switch. But no, after halftime, Frank DeBoer rolled out with the same formation, with the same mindset, and we ended the game with only five shots on goal. Five shots, Blake. We're down one nothing with the tournament on our life. You know, we're used to an Atlanta team in the past years that gets double-digit shots every game, no matter what. And we only had five shots on game, and, and we changed, had zero change in tactics. You know, so DeBoer just showing his stubbornness and not trying to shift up and going for it. You just got to go for it at that point, Blake. I don't understand why he didn't do that, and he didn't show it in any other game previously in this tournament. And now we've gone four straight games without a goal, including the CONCACAF Champions League. It's very frustrating to watch, and something has to change. You know, one of the tactics that I've seen Frank DeBoer, he did it last year when we had no Joseph we went to a 3-5-2 formation, basically running a double false nine where Pity and Barca were playing that false nine. This was against Orlando in the semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup last year. And Joseph missed the game. We still beat Orlando in Orlando, kind of a similar situation we were here. And DeBoer changed the tactics. So, Blake, it brings me to the question I want to ask you and I want you to kind of indulge upon. At one point last year, we were going through the same thing. We started off very, very slow, very poor. And DeBoer was like stubborn on his tactics until a certain point where it seemed like the players, maybe led by LGP, who is now gone, kind of turned on DeBoer and said and demanded that they play their style of play. We turned it around and all of a sudden Atlanta United won two trophies, came second place in the East, went to the semifinals of the MLS Cup. What changed there and what's different this Man, year, Man, that's a great question. I'm going to go back to a Frank DeBoer quote after this Columbus Crew game. He said, I will always give my best. I will continue that until the end. Well, we don't really know what your best is, Frank DeBoer. This is what he said after that. He said, I can change the vibe we have now to a winning vibe. We showed this last season. So I thought this was a very interesting quote to tie into the question you just asked me. He said, we showed that last season. I can change the vibe we have now to a winning vibe. We showed this last season, which brings back to your point, Joe, who changed that vibe? Was that actually Frank DeBoer that changed the vibe? Or was that the players that we had, our core players, was that players like Gressel? Was that players like LGP? Players that had seen how we could play the season before when we won the MLS Cup, was that player stepping up and saying, this is our winning vibe, this is how we win games. This is how we play. And now those players are gone. That could be what's going on right here. So to answer your question, I don't know. I really, really do not know if this team can turn it around with the squad we have because of what I've seen on the field, what I've seen in terms of body language, what I've seen in terms of passion. As soon as that first goal went in for Columbus, we rolled over. I knew the game was over. I don't know why I kept watching. I, I kept watching because I'm a diehard fan and I will watch every Land United game, even if we lose one nothing, until I die. But at the same time, everyone knew what was coming. As soon as that goal, that little deflected goal went in, our players' heads dropped. 
no passion, no fire. And that's the players that we talk about losing. That's what they brought to the team. LGP brought passion. Gressel brought tons of passion. Where's the passion now? Where's the effort? Where's the character? Where's the heart? Because without passion, this sport is as boring as can be. What attracts fans to soccer, to football around the globe is passion. Passion of the supporters. Passion of the players. Passion to play for the crest. And I don't see any passion on the pitch. That's what's more discouraging than losing three games and not scoring any goals is that no one laid it all out on the line. And I, and no, complaining to the ref is not passion. That's just whining. You know, that we, we complained a lot. PD complained. Uh, we had some situations, obviously. In my opinion, we're lacking passion. And passion starts with a coach. And, and you can look around the globe, but the most successful clubs have passionate coaches that would not accept this level of play from their players. So for Frank DeBoer to just be all chill and Dutch and whatever and be like, yeah, we're going to bring back the winning vibe that we did that last year, I think that was the players that brought back the winning vibe. And so I'm really concerned. I'm very concerned. And, and I'm interested to, to find out what this new winning vibe is if and when the season resumes. Yeah. Yeah, Blake, this is this is a good point. It's a good time to move on from MLS is back. Tournament is behind us for Atlanta. It's over. We embarrassed ourselves. We are running home with our tails tucked between our legs and it's not how it should be. So we need to make changes. And so what is it going to look like for the rest of the season? And everyone's saying if the season goes on, but I've got a little bit of uh, something to say right there is this season's definitely going to go on and not, because I want it to, but because this is the sporting world in the United States and you look at baseball starting back up, you look at NFL, they're going to prevail through regardless of what's going on. And the USA wants to keep up their sports dominance. And they saw that Europe finished their soccer season. They're going to go through it. And yeah, we're going through a pandemic and it's looking really bad in the U.S. right now. But the sporting world is says that we're above all that and they're just going to do whatever they can to keep it going. So to me, I think 100% that as soon as this cup is over, the COVID cup, they're going to go on and finish the rest of the MLS season. And to, to that point, Blake, let, let's like kind of break in the action and, and let, maybe let's discuss that email that most of us season ticket holders got. And if you haven't, maybe you should go search your inbox like I just had to do and find that Darren Eel sent you a survey. And it's kind of something that, that just came out with the, the Falcons just did it about fans attending games and, and there's a survey out there in your inbox to to kind of judge the grounds of if you want to use your season tickets this year and, and attend games or if you want to defer it till next year did you get that email blake yeah so you know it, it was it was kind of an interesting email it was it was very lengthy um you know it said that the mls's back term is behind us and the results were disappointing and we return to Atlanta with renewed focus. Okay, whatever that means. Um, it then says that that we're going to be implementing CDC social distancing guidelines upon entry, and it will result in 10,000 to 20,000 seat capacity inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I don't know how 20,000 people is CDC guidelines. I've, I've heard we're not supposed to be in groups larger than 10. So I'm a little confused by that. Um they said they're working diligently with healthcare experts. Well, isn't the entire country that's trying to get through a pandemic? I, I, to me, I, and, and I'm going to just go out on a limb, and this is my stance, and whatever your stance is, I respect that. But 
this is the wrong time to get greedy and to try to put fans in the stadium. Um, 10 to 20,000 people inside Mercedes-Benz, social distance, wearing masks. That's not going to bring an atmosphere that's going to lift our team. And, and it could potentially be a real risk to people that do attend those games. So it is interesting that they have this survey. Um, basically, it's trying to accommodate anyone that wants to attend matches this season. Uh, but man, it's, uh, it's, it's a weird survey. I, I don't know. What's your take on it, Joe? You think we should, we should roll out, you know, 10,000 people in a 70,000 seat stadium? I, I honestly don't know, Blake. This <laughs> is such a weird time. And, and I may be over talking about this. I think I'm, I'm going to pass on it this year, but just because it's, it's very weird time, and and I love the game, and I'm going to watch every single game that we play, and I like what they're doing, but I don't understand. I, I don't want to pay full price first off, and, or pay anything and have like a shortened season and not get what I pay for. I'd much rather push that back and just get what I pay for next season. And, and so, and and then uh, to couple on top of that, the product that we're putting on the field right now is such garbage. It's not even fun to watch. Uh, you know, I, I will be there for Atlanta through thick and thin, but is it really worth risking your life to go into the stadium? And or, or maybe not your life, but your loved one's life? Because if what if you go in there and catch COVID and, and then you bring it home to your grandparents, your father, your mother, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird time right now. And I might just kind of let everybody else do the test of the stadium if they want to. And and if you want to, you can do it. That's fine. Until they come out with a vaccination, I might stay away from it. I think that'd be wise. Hey guys, we just want to let you know that this episode was recorded on Thursday night prior to the news Friday morning that Frank DeBoer was fired from Atlanta United. They do at this point say that it was a mutual decision Uh, but only time will tell. So the discussion later in the podcast will not reflect this decision. Thanks for listening. So let's talk about something that's on everyone's mind, Joe, and kind of breaking beyond the the games at the bins. It looks like it is going to happen. Like you said, we are going to get to continue to watch this product on the field. So let's go back to the product on the field. Let's talk about, I I don't even want to do a tactic section because there's no tactical analysis. Frank DeBoer did not listen to us. There's nothing to talk about it. There's no need to do a tactical analysis, Blake, when Frank DeBoer just does one tactic and that's it. It, So why even do a tactical analysis when he's going to run out that 3-4-3 and have no offense? So here's my question for you, Joe. And, And I'm not there yet. But you've already voiced it this episode. Is it time for DeBoer out? And if it is, if it is, where do we go from here? Blake, that's a question that you have to ask right now. And yes, I have voiced my opinion that I, I am leaning DeBoer out right now. I am that frustration in me is ready just to to just fire on the wall, kick him out, to kick him to the curb. But you know what? I am gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. And the same thing happened last year. We started slow. There was a change, a shift. We made it all the way to second place in the East, made it to the semifinals. A Joseph penalty kick would have put us in a great position to go to the finals where I think we would have had a really good chance against Seattle, although that was a really Mm -hmm. good Seattle team. So I don't know how we would have done there, but our form was very high going into that. 
We could have won another MLS Cup, but we didn't. That didn't happen. I'm not DeBoer out right now, but I think DeBoer is on the hot seat. And it might be the hottest of seats. And if things don't change soon, I wouldn't mind sacking him during the middle of the year. Uh, if we go back after this MLS's back tournament and, and things start back up again, and we go three, four, five games without scoring a goal, yeah, I'm ready to sack him. You know, but if we start seeing improvement, because think of it now, we're back, and now DeBoer has more time, at least a month's worth of time, to reassess the situation he and try to months. figure out. He had four months. He had four months. Yeah, he had four months of time, and he did a crap job. So that's why he's on the very hot seat. That's why I'm, I'm saying DeBoer out, even though last episode I was still optimistic about our chances. He had, But now... He's got another opportunity. He's got and now he's on. He has two strikes. If we're talking baseball, he's got one more strike. He's got one month to prepare, maybe two for the rest of the season. And if we come out and still show a horrible product on the field, if we don't score a goal in the next couple of games, yes, we should sack our manager, make changes right away. But at, at the time, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But then you got to think Atlanta United back in 2017. I mentioned this earlier in the podcast. We set the bar very high, and we brought in, at that time, probably the number one available manager in, in all of international football. We brought Tata Martino in, which was just a coup to, to, to bring in the one of the most renowned managers available on the market. And it got me thinking, like, maybe we could sack DeBoer right now, and we could bring in a manager. Blake, what do you think about that? So I, I want to talk about something really quick, Joe. And, and I think it's it's right on point with what you're saying. So we, we set the bar high, right? But there's two kinds of there's two kinds of managers around the globe when you look at soccer as a whole. And soccer is a global game. It is the global game. Everyone in every country knows soccer. Our country's probably been the last to adopt it of all the other countries in the world as a true American sport. But I will tell you this. Style of play is just as important as results for fan bases, for teams around the globe. You see these traditional managers like Jose Mourinho is a great example. He's been a fantastic manager. He's won a lot of trophies. He has always been hated for his play style. It's defensive. It's slow. It reminds me of what we're seeing on the pitch right now. Fans crave wins first. Second, they crave style. And that's what Tata Martino brought us. He brought style. He brought flair. We had that South American core. We had speed. We were exciting on the counter. We were exciting in possession. We were creating chances. Our whole team was built around creating goal-scoring opportunities. So if you're going to replace DeBoer now or in the future, I think it has to be about wins and style of play because that's what the modern fan demands. That's, you know... Results on the field are great. I'll take a one nothing victory any day, but I do want to focus on style because the players that we bought were bought for a specific style, and we're definitely not playing that right now, and that might be the lack of passion that we're seeing on the pitch is these players aren't playing in the, in the true open-minded freedom on the pitch that they want to express themselves with. So, Joe, going back to what you just asked me, if, if it was time for a change, I think we'd have to look at a manager whose tactics and whose style 
matched what Atlanta United was to so many of us early on. And that's exciting attacking football. I'll take a 4-3 loss any day over what we've seen the past four games. I, I, I'll take I'll take a high-scoring game where we lose at the last second. I love a solid defense, but I really want to see us come back to, hey, yeah, let's win a game 3-2. Let's win a game 4-3. Let's know that if we get down, we can come back and score two or three goals. We don't have that right now, and I think if you look for another manager, that's what they have to bring to the pitch is attacking, exciting football yeah and and Blake I know right now this this whole segment is speculation but I love it because this is kind of what I do on a daily basis when I dream about the future especially during the offseason of Atlanta United and if we're going to be looking at a new manager which right now DeBoer's on the hot seat I'm, I'm DeBoer out we're, we got to look at bringing in just what you said the attacking style and so we brought in Tata Martino in the first year of, of existence for Atlanta United. And he was a disciple of the Marcelo Bielsa style of play, that tiki-taka, fast, high-scoring. Who just got promoted. They just got promoted. Yeah. Leeds United promoted the Premier League. Exactly. So Marcelo Bielsa, if you guys don't know, is a manager in the English League, English Championship with Leeds United, who's now going to be in the Premier League because of his style of play. So he's off the table. We're not going to get Bielsa. We're not going to get Tata Martino, who is with, Mexico. I don't know. That just really, really upsets me. But that's okay, Tata. You do your thing. But there are other available managers out there right now. If we were to do the unthinkable and sack Frank DeBoer right now, we can go out there and, and just just really shock the world and get some of the best available managers. And two guys come to mind for me that, that could play that high-press, tiki-taka style of play. There is Pochettino, the guy, former Spurs manager, no longer Spurs, but he can play that that high price, pace attacking style. If we were able to go out there and get Pochettino, that would be a coup to the world. But another guy that really like sticks to me is is maybe the Arsenal manager. You know, he's coming off of a really really poor time at Arsenal. Unai Emery. He just signed with someone. He just signed with a Spanish club today, so he's off the table, unfortunately. The table. But I like where your head's at. So okay, uh, but, but I'm looking at this. There's two other guys that I really want to like throw out there, and we're probably never going to get this. But uh, Barcelona just lost their their manager in Valverde. That might be another one. You know, Tata Martino, coach for Barcelona. We could get Valverde coming to Atlanta. Would be great. Or. This one goes back a year, and he's been retired for a while. And back in the day, he was linked to Atlanta. But Laurent Blanc, former PSG manager, I think all four of those would bring a high attacking style. We're going to score more goals than you. See what you can do about it. And that's what I want Atlanta to get back to, Blake. And maybe we're on just kind of a speculating and just for fun section. But that's where my mindset is right now. Yeah, I think we have to have an identity as a club. And I think that identity is personified in your play style. And the further we get away from what our roots were in and, and the success that it brought early on, I think the more this fan base is going to become disinterested with the product they're seeing on the field. I'm not saying our fan base isn't going to be loyal. We're going to show up. We're going to be loud. But going back to what I talked about at the very beginning of the show, we, we have earned the right to voice our concerns, to demand a better product, to demand better style. And so for me personally, and I think I speak for a lot of Atlanta United fans, if it's not going to be 
a managerial change. We have to change our entire, honestly, our entire attitude, our entire style, and we have to go all out. And we have to accept that we might lose a game four to three, but we're going to attack all game. We're going to press all game. We're going to leave it all on the field and we're going to create chances because that that's that's what puts butts in the seats. That's what brought the energy that Atlanta United sees today. If Frank DeBoer had been our coach year one, can you imagine where this team would be right now? Can you imagine it, the, 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 the support would never be at the level it's at. Yes, diehard fans would be there. Yes, we would probably no, be there. We would be another Orlando, and that's no fun. But but he he took Tata Martino's team. He scraped together what was left. He had some really bad performances early on. He flipped a switch. Maybe it was him. Maybe it was the players. We had Joseph Martinez to bail us out. But just like you talked about earlier in the show... LAFC, they haven't had Carlos Vela this entire tournament. They're Joseph Martinez, and they're still putting results on the field. They still have an exciting team. They're still playing an attacking style, whereas we are sitting back home, zero goals in four games. Might as well have all gotten COVID and not even showed up for the tournament. So I'm with you, Joe. I think he's on the hot seat. I'm not ready for DeBoer out, but I'm ready for DeBoer stylistic change, and it has to be permanent this time. He can't just make a change at the end of the season and be successful, start a new season, and go right back to his old ways. Because as Jose Mourinho said, the most one of the most boring managers out there to watch, but a very successful manager. I read something, uh, some, some quote from uh, the worst manager in the history of the Premier League, um, Frank De Boer, uh, seven matches, seven defeats, zero goals, um, where he was saying that... Uh, it's not good for Marcus Rashford to have a, a coach like me because the most important thing for me is to win. If he was coached by Frank, he would learn how to lose because he lost every game. He lost his first seven games in the Premier League with Crystal Palace and they scored zero goals. No manager. And this is a league that's been around longer than any league in the entire world. He scored zero goals in seven games. So if we think that four goals or four games rather is bad with zero goals or the last three that you watched, imagine being an English soccer fan for a famous London club. You bring in this new guy, Frank DeBoer from Ajax, and he doesn't score a goal in seven games. That's when they sacked him. So that's my that's my number. I'm, I'm sticking with the English model. If we go seven games without a goal, he gets the sack. He's at four right now. He's got three to go. You are right on point. If we hit seven games with zero goals and our front office does not sack Frank DeBoer, then the whole fan base is going to turn on the front office, which some people in the fan base, if you're reading the social media, have already turned on the front office. But I still have faith in the front office because they have done some marvelous things in our tenure with Atlanta United. But if we go seven goals, sorry, seven games without a goal, absolutely you have to be DeBoer out and, and so both of I both of us have been very frustrated we've voiced our opinions and we know our listeners are very frustrated too we've got a great listener mail section right now uh one of our our lovely lovely listeners sent us a message and, and we got to discuss this topic Blake you know, allow me to read this to you <laughs> All right, this is from FRC. They say, at ATL and United, very disappointed in Escobar. After his yellow card, at least twice as hashtag ATL UTD was hoping to come back, 
we nearly got another yellow with his overboard whining to the referee. Totally unable to see the big picture and control himself. Immature and selfish. Discuss. I mean, there's not much to discuss. They're, they're, they hit the nail on the head. Thanks for sending us some listener mail. Uh, yeah, Escobar. He's he's a he's a he's a nut job. I mean, you know how many times he's gotten hit in the head by Brad Guzan? <laughs> he, he's kind of he's kind of he likes to it. run to the wall a lot. But I think he's learned his lesson. He he's done it twice, and I, I think he's learned his lesson that he's not going to do that again. Yeah, Escobar Escobar might have CTE. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. That's that's a, a hard thing to wish on someone. I'm a fan of Escobar, and I like him on the field. He does kind of. Uh, go off the wall sometimes but sometimes you need that like look at lgp and how much of a fan favorite he was or polarizing if you want to look at that i think we're playing him in a poor position i would much rather him be a right back than a center back uh, because he gets way out of position at times and yes the perfect thing that you said in this comment was immature and selfish and i think that may sum up our entire team right now outside of jeff lorenowitz and brad guzan but immature and selfish. We, we are more of an individualized team right now. And we're all going out there. Each player is going out there to try to be an individual right now and, and try to prove themselves and be for play for themselves rather than the makeup of the entire team. And we don't have that team chemistry, which is very immature of the entire team. We don't have a catalyst player on the field like maybe Joseph Martinez would be that player that could put some fire under the bellies and, and yell at someone who is not playing the proper way. So this comment right here just kind of sums up the mentality of the whole team. I'm just very disappointed in every player on the field because we are not coming together to play as a team. We're being very individual out there, and it's shown how we broke down for Two, at least two of the three goals that we scored where it was a complete and utter collapse on defense. You know, looking at the New York goal that they scored against us where half the team was pushed up the field and it was only two defenders. And you had Velo, a guy that is almost a USL-level player, just walking free at the end of the line and gets a one-on-one with Guzan. And then at the Columbus goal where we put zero pressure on the guy in the box when we have our tournament lives on the line, there was just zero urgency. So I'm not just disappointed in Escobar because I am disappointed in him and he showed some real immaturity. I'm disappointed in the entire team. It, this is not a great product. And, and Blake, I, I think I'm done. I, I'm going to let you take it from here. Yeah, you summed it up, man. You hit it right on. You hit it right on the head, just like the golden spike with a hammer. Our team has been immature. Our team is not showing passion. I'll go back to passion because I'm very passionate about passion. You want to talk about passion? Passion is is giving it all every second of the 90 minutes and every second of extra time. Passion is showing your emotion in your play. It's not whining to the ref. Whining, whining gets you nowhere. Jawing with the ref after every call gets you nowhere. I respect players that, that get fouled and they jump right back up. They keep playing. Some of the legends of the game, Lionel Messi. I'm going to talk about Messi for a second. I didn't even know I was going to talk about Messi this episode, Joe. Messi is, is not only the greatest player that I've ever seen during our lifetime without a doubt, 
and I'm not going to get in this debate with uh, with our listeners about Messi versus Ronaldo. They're both great players, but Messi never whines to the ref. If he gets fouled, he jumps right back up. He's not going to roll around and wait for the magic spray. I don't want to see whiners. I want to see players that go out there. And yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna complain to the ref, we better be up three or four nothing. But as long as as long as Atlanta United score zero and we're losing games, you put your head down and you get to work until we put the ball in the back of the net. Then you have the then you have the license to to whine. Then you have the authority to whine. When you suck, no one takes you seriously. That's just that's just life. And so our team has to has to stop sucking before they can start whining. That's that's my opinion on Escobar. Stop sucking, then you can start whining. That's all I got, Joe. I'm I'm hot right now. Very well said, Blake. Well, I I just poured myself another beer and to all our listeners out there, Blake and I are very frustrated, just like you are. Uh, the MLS's back tournament is going to continue. We're going to sit back, maybe watch it, maybe do some other things. We're going to take a little bit of a break until MLS decides what they're going to do with the regular season. And then we'll come back when Atlanta United hopefully comes back and shows that they're actually a legitimate team in the MLS. So when, when the MLS season resumes after this COVID Cup, you will hear back from me and Blake, and maybe we'll have gotten our frustration out by then and we'll, we'll be more fun and dandy and more fun for you guys to enjoy. But until then, I'm going to keep drinking local beers and try to stay safe. Can't score a goal. Can't score a goal. Frank Tabor is mad. Adam John is bad. Can't score a goal. Everyone be safe out there. Wear your mask.